Hey, welcome to the podcast, More Than Bread. I'm Dan, and I'm your Bible reader and guide for this podcast. This is episode number 255 of More Than Bread, and episode number five of our Lent series, which simply means that if you just joined us, you just joined us for the Lent series, and you want to check them out. After Easter, there are 250 other episodes of More Than Bread. I go through the Gospel of John and Mark and, and a whole bunch of the Psalms and, and, and a lot more. But for now, we've embarked upon a 40 or so episode journey of Lent from Ash Wednesday to Easter. Now, now Lent is a a time of preparation leading to the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. And, And it's also a reminder of the preparation that Jesus went through in the wilderness. We're preparing for more. That's our theme for this series. And, and Jesus spent this time preparing in the wilderness for his public ministry. He spent 40 days in the wilderness fighting incarnate evil and preparing for his role. So Lent is a, a 40-day journey of preparation, preparing for more. So that's what we said, more life, more power, more of the presence of Jesus, 40 days. Now, you know, the, the Bible is full of 40-day stories and three-day stories. That's the two most popular. Noah was in the ark for 40 days. Moses was on the mountain for 40 days. Jesus began his ministry of the 40 days in the desert, preparing for spiritual battle. And of course, after his resurrection, Jesus spent another 40 days with his disciples, preparing them for what was to come. 40-day stories involve a call to do something. It's not the exact number of days that count. It's more than a moment, but it's less than a lifetime. 40-day stories call us to endure in the doing. Three-day stories have less doing and more desperation. They they start in darkness where hope hangs by a slender thread. They're, they're not so much a call to do something, but a realization that we need someone. Three-day stories require a hero to save the day. And man, when God is the hero, a lot can happen in three days, right? We all love, I love three-day breakthroughs. The essence of our faith is the three-day story of the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's this breakthrough that gives us our greatest hope. But if if three-day stories are kind of like microwaved hope, 40-day stories are more like all-day barbecue, smoked, slow-cooking a 40-day story is long enough to disrupt our life, but short enough to see the deadline. 40-day stories are not microwaved breakthrough. They are hard, hangdog, don't give up, times of desperation. So how about you? <laughs> are you praying for a three-day breakthrough, or are you praying for a hard season of perseverance where breakthrough will only come, will only come if we don't lose heart? A 40-day story, 40 days in the wilderness of suffering and battle and testing. That's what Jesus went through, and that's what we're, we're, we're kind of mimicking. We're modeling our 40-day Lent series after the, the 40 days of Jesus in the wilderness. So let me read the 40-day story of Jesus' preparation again. Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 19. This time I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for forty days. Jesus ate nothing all that time, and he became very hungry. And then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the Scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. There's our theme verse again, right? 
Verse 5, then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I'll give it all to you if you'll worship me. And Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect and guard you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. And then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, that the time of the Lord's favor has come. The Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness. Man, you know, the, the wilderness is not a place that, that any of us seek, but so often it is the very place where God seeks us. Lent is a reminder of the 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness preparing for his mission to rescue humanity. Without those 40 days, the cross doesn't come. I believe that with all my heart. Before those 40 days, he was filled by the Spirit and led by the Spirit. During those 40 days, he fasted and battled against Satan. And after those 40 days, he was empowered by the Spirit. So we're preparing for Easter. We're preparing for more by pondering Christ. And I don't know about you, but I'm praying that God would empower us by his spirit, that we would be filled with his spirit and led by his spirit, that we would battle Satan and that we would be empowered, empowered by his spirit. Here's a question I want to give us as we are preparing for more. It's our theme, right? Question is this, how do we survive our wilderness experiences? If we want to make it through our wilderness, we have to prepare before we get there. And here's where it starts. It starts with the reality that I I shared in the last episode, namely this, you have a father. You have a father. Remember that scene in Luke chapter 3, verses 21 to 22? It sets the context for Jesus' wilderness story. One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. And as he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. I don't think we could ever overestimate the life that those words shot into the heart of Jesus. The the courage that, that had to have surged through his veins as the father said, you're my son. I love you deeply and without regret, you bring me great joy. When when Scotty was going into high school, his mom and his dad divorced. And a few years later, Scotty's mom remarried. Good guy, a a wise man named Robert. In fact, Scotty and his brothers called him Daddy Robert. Scotty said, my brother Tommy was the strong one, the gifted student, the stellar athlete. I was the weaker brother, the skinny one with low self-esteem. But but one day all that changed, he said. 
Daddy Robert was driving me to one of my football games when he put his hand on my shoulder. He said, you know, Scotty, you're really strong. What? His words took me by surprise. You really are strong, Scotty, he said. Something surged in my veins. He believed in me. With my oversized helmet sitting atop my bird-like frame, I must have looked like a Tootsie Roll pop on the football field. But given those few simple words, he said, I was set loose with a fury. On the Lancaster Tigers in particular, there was a terror across the line of scrimmage that night. I could see it in the eyes of the Lancaster player who lined up in front of me. I had been anointed for battle, and for four quarters, my opponent felt the full force of my father's blessings smashing against his head and shoulders. I was a different man, all because my stepfather had spoken life into me. Listen, there's so many voices out there. And we are foolish to believe that those voices don't shape our perception of our wilderness. See, those voices paint a picture in our minds of why we are where we are and why we are who we are. And and perception is reality, right? I mean, even if it's a lie, if we believe the lie, it begins to gain power to shape our reality. Few things are more important than deciding what voices will get our ears in the wilderness. What voices have your ears? You know, some of the voices you've listened to are mean, always critical, made you feel like you had nothing to offer the world. No one will ever love you. You can't be fixed. You'll never succeed. You can't be forgiven. Some of you have had some great voices speaking into your life through the years, a a mother, a father, a coach, a friend, a teacher, words of affirmation and courage, words of love and wisdom. Those words have made a significant difference in your life. And you know what? Sometime you need to tell God and those people, thank you. Whether those voices have been good or bad, the one voice above all others that needs to get our ears is God's voice, the voice of God. Listen for God's voice deep in your heart. Listen to the Father who loves me. Listen to me. You are relentlessly loved with an indiscriminate affection. In Ephesians 1, 4, and 5, Paul writes, Without a single fault, we stand before him, covered in his love. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by sending Jesus Christ to die for us. And he did this because he wanted to. He didn't have to. He wanted to. You're not God's have to. You're a want to. It's not even let's make a deal. You shape up and I'll let you in. He wanted to. And if God is on Instagram, he's liking your pictures. If God has a refrigerator, your homework is hanging on it. He hasn't missed a soccer game, a band concert, a softball practice, or an opening night. In the middle of the night, he's hanging out the at the door of your bedroom because he just likes watching you sleep. Listen, you have a father. And when he looks at you, his heart is filled with love. His face is filled with delight. So we go to Luke 4. 1 and 2, where we find that with the love and delight of Father God saturating his heart, Jesus, full of the Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Now, here's what I believe about our wilderness. If the words of the Father give us courage and strength to make it through our wilderness, then the devil's battle is to tempt us to live fatherless lives. 
You know, it's like fatherlessness is the new cultural norm. It's a story being written into the lives of the next generation, a, a story heard in songs and seen in movies and read in blogs. Now, even if fathers aren't missing, we're being told that they aren't necessary. But that doesn't stop the search or fill the hole in the wilderness. We're faced with a question, will I live like I'm fatherless? I think that's at the very heart. That's the essence of the wilderness war. The battle that Jesus faced was a temptation to believe that he had been left fatherless, that he must find his own way, lead his own life. I mean, look at the first battle scene. It says, Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. And then the devil said to him, if you're the son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone. (laughs) See, the the first battle point, I think, is the temptation of entitlement. I'm going to give you three battle points. The first is entitlement. And, And the lie from Satan is that the Father is holding out on us. That's entitlement. Father God is holding out on me. I'm entitled to all the comfort I can gain. There's no reason to go hungry, no reason to give up pleasure. If I have the power to gain, why should I go without? If I don't have all I need to satisfy all I want, then perhaps God is holding out on me. So if God won't feed me, I'll feed me, because after all, it's all about me. So how important is your comfort? If we feel entitled to every comfort, listen, if we feel entitled to every comfort, we will rarely be satisfied with our Father. Look at the second battle point. First is entitlement. The second in verses 5 through 8 says, And the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I'll give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said. I'll, I'll give it all to you if you'll worship me. And Jesus replied, The scriptures say, You must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Now, the, the battle point here is pride. First is entitlement. The second is pride. Pride says, I don't need a father. I don't need someone telling me what to do. I'm in control. I don't want to surrender control. The, the, the question here is, am I willing to admit that my deep desire is to be like God? That I want to be the ruler of my own little kingdom more than, more than I want my father to rule in my life. Because in the end, it's all about me, right? My comfort, my control. Finally, look at the third battle point, verses 9 through 12. It says, Then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple, said, If you're the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he'll order his angels to protect you and guard you. They'll hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, The scriptures also say you must not, you must not test the Lord your God. I think the battle point here is shame. Shame says, I'm not a lovable kid. If the lie of the first two battle points is that God is not a good father, then the lie of the final battle point is that I'm not a good son, I'm not a good daughter, I'm not lovable. This is shame. Shame is different from guilt. Guilt convicts, shame condemns. Guilt says, I did something wrong. (coughs) Shame says, I am something wrong. Guilt says, I made a mistake. Shame says, I am a mistake. Shame hides, runs from love. Excuse me. Shame is different from guilt. Guilt convicts, shame condemns. 
Guilt says I did something wrong. Shame says I am something wrong. Guilt says I made a mistake. Shame says I am a mistake. Shame hides, runs from love. It's always asking for love to be proven because love must be earned. In a twisted kind of way, shame says love is all about me, what I do or do not deserve. So perhaps the antidote to every single one of these battle points is that we need to dive into the heart of our Father. We need to give Him our ears. I think one of the most important survival skills is found in each of the temptations. At each point, Jesus' response was steeped in Scripture. He was listening for the voice of God. He was listening to the words of the Father. Even more specifically, in the first temptation recorded in Matthew 4, 4, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. (laughs) That's our theme verse. If we want to survive our wilderness, we need to find life in the word. We need to give God our ears. Through the word of God, we hear the voice of God, and his voice speaks life and courage and perseverance into our hearts. We listen to the word. We learn the principles and the truths of scripture, and we lean into his instructions. But there's something else here, something of great beauty and power that we so desperately need in our wilderness, because we need more than words of life. We need the life that comes from the one who is the word. The one who went into the wilderness to grab life for us. You know, in the Gospel of John, there's a confrontation between Jesus and the religious leaders of his day. These leaders were scripture experts. They knew it. They memorized it. They carried it with them everywhere they went. But but Jesus exposed them as frauds. He, he exposed the fact that knowledge of God was not the same as knowing God, that loving the scriptures was not the same as loving God, that reading God's words was not the same as hearing God. And so in John 5, verses 39 through 40, Jesus says, hey, listen, you guys, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. It's not just the words of life that we need. We, we need to come to the one who gives us life, the one who is the word. And that's my prayer for us. I'm asking you to, to make a commitment to go to the Word throughout this whole 40-day season, this Lent series. Keep going to the Word and go back to the Word and again to the Word. Read it and listen to it. And, and, and not just to read it, not just to mark it off your checklist, but, but ask the Spirit of God to reveal to you the Son of God, that we might fall in love with the Word and dive into the Father's heart. Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that your word leads us to the one who is called the word. And I ask God that you would give us a hunger to listen for the voice of your spirit. I ask spirit of God that you would breathe life into the word of God as you speak it into the people of God. And I ask God that we would give you our ears, that you would show us what we're letting into our ears that is not good, that is not from you, and that more and more and more we would give you our ears. We ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.